Hey there, and thanks for joining us for The Weekly Grind, a podcast where we work out the topics that shape and influence the culture, community, and church of today from a biblical perspective. My name is Ben, here with my pastor and good friendship. He's a lead pastor, and I'm the worship pastor here at the Napoleon Church of the Nazarene. Today on the podcast, we want to talk about truth. Where does truth come from, and how do we define truth, and how do our experiences help us to better understand what is true? We look at Chip's hero in the faith and and how he approached faith and theology in a very rooted but practical sense. This is The Weekly Grind. All right, well, what's happening, everyone? We are back. It's been a few weeks. We've taken a few weeks off. Uh, The month of September was a little crazy. We've got a building remodel going on, a lot of cool things Preschool. Yeah, preschool just started. Yep. a lot of things happening around the church, and so we haven't really been able to meet up for a podcast in a few weeks. Excited to be back, though. Yeah, you're a little uh, you're a little lower today. I am vocally. Although I will say, just a little plug here, um, Nicole and I got a chance to quick anniversary getaway to Denver. Yeah, so jealous to Rocky Mountain National Park. And so, hey, anybody looking for a place to go? I think it's the most beautiful place in America. Yeah. Um, so just a little plug for Rocky Mountain National Park. Maybe they'll send me some some advertising dollars or something. Ah, uh, maybe. Unsolicited. Maybe. <laughs> but that's kind of why we've uh, taken a couple weeks off. A lot of things going yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. A lot of things happening. So, uh, so today we want to talk about uh, just an idea, right? The idea of um, how do you come to the conclusions that you come to what what is it that that helps you? What are the tools that help you shape what you believe, why you believe them, um, how you refine your thought? And so that's really what we want to talk about today. Sure. Uh, your hero in the faith, yeah, who's that? John Wesley. John Wesley. We had a bobblehead the first few podcasts, and then we come in one day, and his head was knocked off, so he's no longer with us. My kids have broke the bobblehead a number of times. <laughs> yeah, it's been in my office, but. Yeah, so uh, so he's no longer behind us anymore, but uh, but he's somebody that we both admire you tremendously. I yeah. know, and um, and so today we're going to talk about about his his process, the way framework, he, his framework. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So give us give us some context, give us an idea of of what we're what we're discussing today. So in theological circles, it's kind of this huge word called the Wesleyan quadrilateral. And I'm thinking about this when we're going to talk about this on the podcast. No one really, that's just a huge thing to, to comprehend, right? Or like probably, maybe never even heard of it. It's just simply the framework through which Wesley yeah. uh, understood uh, his faith, what God was wanting to do. Um, it was coined later. Wesley never came up with a quadrilateral. Mm-hmm. It was a, a man later that kind of put it together and said, I see how Wesley used these four quadrants mm-hmm. to understand life and to come to conclusions about what God wanted to do and how he could experience the life and the spirit that God had for him. And so I, I think it's an amazing uh, framework. Uh, I think it's helpful for us today. Um, again, Wesley wouldn't have coined this, and sometimes it gets misrepresented, misconstrued, um, like in the sense that uh, these four quadrants, there is one in which the other three live. Mm-hmm. 
right? It's not like a, a, the table we have right here where there's four equal legs. Yeah. The Wesleyan quadrant is there's one, think of big circle, and then the other three fit into the framework of that circle, and yet they help to define what that big circle is, yeah. uh, the circle of Scripture. Yeah. They are tools to help us maximize mm-hmm. what God is desiring for us to experience in our life and our relationship so with So maybe Him. you could say, like, the, the there's one that is the, the table, the foundation, and yes. then the other things just sit on it. Yes, and help to define it and help us to ex- yeah. help us to get into living in the scriptures. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I, I think it's important to say because sometimes it's been misrepresented. And those of you who might have heard about it or thought about it, mm-hmm. um, I, I've even read stuff recently where uh, one of the quadrants, I hate to say it in quadrants, one of those things uh, is getting a lot more play than it should uh, reason Right. It's, yeah, it's getting, it's more weight has been added to it. Right. Yeah. Like reason doesn't supersede scripture. Reason yeah. helps us to define what scripture has always been saying. Okay. So let's, yeah, you so go ahead what and are define the, it. So, yeah. yeah so, we'll, well, what I want to do is, <clears throat> so what are the four? Right. Right. First one, scripture. And we believe in that everything else rests upon that. Scripture is our foundation. Right. That, um, Scripture is inerrant, and I, I'll even pull in our articles of faith. We have 16 of them in the Church of the Nazarene, and one of them is on the Holy Scriptures. And, and I pulled this straight out, of our, uh, straight out of our articles of faith. We believe in the plenary inspiration of the Holy Scriptures, by which we understand the 66 books of the Old and New Testament, given by divine inspiration, inerrancy, inerrantly revealing the will of God concerning all things necessary to our salvation. And so, again, the inerrancy in the Word of God, and and we believe that it's it's His perfectly revealed nature, um, will for our lives, but also revealing who He is yeah. in His relationship with us. God so, speaks, yeah, and in that speaking, life comes. Mm-hmm. Like the living, breathing words of God are the source. Yeah of everything that we are to experience and to have hope in. And I like how you use the word life because the other three are how we live these out. Quality of life. Quality of life. Bring a little bit better yeah. quality of life. So number two is, uh, and, and we'll kind of circle back around maybe just to some of these, but uh, number two is tradition. Mm-hmm. Number three is is reason. And number four is uh, your experience, personal experience, how, you've, how you kind of see it. Um, the things that you've understood. And so so these four, scripture, tradition, reason, and experience are, are the four that, that Wesley used to um, uh, to live to live it out. Right, pretty much. You know, and I think that I, I particularly am fond of the fact that the last one, experience, it's kind of like, so what does this mean for me? Mm-hmm. You know, you can talk yeah. about, truths you can talk about but but really God intended for those truths to find its home mm-hmm. in our heart right. and change our lives and that's where Wesley brought this or it, he emphasized the role of experience how has this worked out in your life I'm gonna tell you man 
the experience of fellow Christians has been a huge impact for me, encouragement. When I have listened to and watched them explain and talk about the truth over here, this concept of what God wants to do, has done, how it is now come into their life, it made it more real to me. Mm-hmm. It, it, it encouraged me. It built my faith. It made me believe that this truth could actually be for me also. Yeah. And I love the... Now, experience can be a wacky thing, right? Yeah. P- people are having all sorts of weird experiences every day. Yeah. Experience doesn't drive the bus. Experience. No. It, it, well, it is in a lot of a lot of places. Right, people are living off of like. That's why every everyone's out of yeah. It's just out of control. But the beautiful thing about this is that experience comes along, and it it obviously affirms scripture. What God is intending to do, wanting to do, yeah. has provided for us. Yeah, and it's just a beautiful capstone to me to understand. You have people who just talk about the truth of God. But Wesley was like, hey, like you're, this isn't stuff we just talk about and kind of believe in. It's stuff we it's more than that. experience. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah and, and two examples of that was um, justification and sanctif- sanctif- living a sanctified life. Sure. And again, it's, it's Scripture coming alive right. in us, um, being justified uh, by Christ, by what he did for us. Mm-hmm. And then and then it's con- it's allowing the Holy Spirit to continually flush that out in our lives to experience the peace and the love that we couldn't experience any other way. Right. The depth of that. And to me the fruits of the spirit have a tangible expression of love but also an experiential side. Mm-hmm. When you talk about things like love and joy, yeah, and peace, peace. Patience. Those are experiential things that we uh, experience. And Wesley obviously is known for uh, helping us understand. He talks about, remember, Aldersgate, when his heart was strangely Strangely warmed. warmed. Uh, That's just his way of saying, my faith connected, and I realized I have, I I believed in the work of Christ for me personally. And if you look at his life before being strangely warmed and after, I mean, you know, it's that experience confirming the truth of what God has done and wants Mm -hmm. to do in our lives. And I think the thing that really, thing that that my heart breaks for is um, those that come here every Sunday, that attend a church every Sunday, and have never experienced that. They have the head knowledge of Scripture. They're they're here in mind, but but they haven't they haven't experienced that in their life. That's right. And it just breaks my heart because there's so much more than just the the black and white text and the red letters. It's it's when you apply those and Man, you allow those to come into your life. Yeah, I, I live right there all the time. I I like what what Wesley said. What the Scriptures promise. I enjoy. He insisted that we cannot have reasonable assurance of something unless we have experienced it personally. Wesley was assured of both justification and sanctification because he had experienced them in his own life. Mm -hmm. You know, like if God makes a promise, 
uh, what actuates that promise is when it it it, it um, is in our our life. It, he always is promising something that he then wants to do. Yeah, in us. Yeah, you know what I mean. And just because we haven't experienced it doesn't mean we can't be- we don't believe it because again we're putting experience up against scripture and God's revealed and promised word. Right. So if we haven't experienced that, then we need to continue to pursue that. God's word is actually pushing us toward an experiential relationship with right. it. Personal right. is the word we use now. Yeah. And like yeah. we're falling short of the scriptural promises by not having moved into the personal relationship with mm-hmm. Christ. Yeah. It's, it's beautiful. Yeah. So we have Scripture as our foundation, and one of the things that, that, that sits there is, is our experience. Another one is reason. We'll kind of work backwards or around yeah. a little bit. Um, talk to, let's, let's talk about reason. How do, you define, how do you define and understand reason? Well, I think that um, it can be common to say, you know, well, the scriptures say this, and then over here the scriptures say this. And so often, what we end up doing is we understand one scripture, and, and somebody understands another scripture, and it seems like they contradict, or we use emphasize this over this. And um, God has given us um, the ability to think through and understand what He's trying to say. And and I love what Isaiah says. Come, let us reason now together. Um, it's taking the truth of Scripture and putting it into its logical progression. Mm-hmm. And the Bible doesn't necessarily do that. It, it it just is the story of God, and it expects us to then put the story of God into a reasonable, logical flow. Right? Yeah. And it, it and it calls for us to take the truths, the principles of Scripture, and then to understand. You know, there's so many contexts that we live in that the Bible doesn't mention. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, honestly, the Bible doesn't mention abortion. That's a good one. Yeah, but we take the principles of Scripture, the value that's placed on life, right, and we use reason to then come to a conclusion that this is obviously consistent with the principle of the value of life mm-hmm. in Scripture. God is the giver. God as a sustainer. God should be in control of life, right? Yeah. That's how reason should be applied. Yeah. And it's not like we walk around and say, well, you know, God never said anything about cigarettes, right? Well, you're right. But the more we begin to understand about... Um, the way he he sees our bodies, the temple, and yeah, and how he and wants then us that's to see like, our bodies. You know, I don't know how many poisonous chemicals. It really doesn't make sense yeah. to consistently smoke cigarettes, yeah. and misuse tobacco, um, in light of the principle of God's word, yeah. which is we are the temple, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think another one that comes to mind, a little th- theological, but is the, like the age of accountability. It doesn't, you know, there's nothing that says at age 13. You're accountable because because it, you know it's the idea of wow what if this three or four year old passes away what happens if you know if if he didn't see Christ and find salvation well we can infer and we can understand through Scripture right. some of the truths and the nature of who God is right that would be totally Abs- yeah unjust would not be uh, would not 
would not fit in the framework of his nature mm-hmm. to to damn yeah. a a child who has no comprehension mm-hmm. of their sinfulness, uh, of their need of a savior. Uh, we're always teaching our kids to ask Jesus into their heart, and continually and showing good. them what that, that looks there's like. There's no problem doubt, with yeah. that because we're trying to build uh, an anticipation. We're trying to, you know, obviously stoke fan desire for them to have him in their life. But you know, my four year old girl doesn't understand her sinfulness. Mm-hmm. Uh, so just good reason would say that she's not there yet. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So again, those are just I think some some good examples of what reason is, and then how we use reason uh, as as one of these these areas to uh, to to live out scripture. Yeah, and we really do do this. We all do this. We're using reason on those areas where scripture doesn't necessarily speak specifically, mm-hmm. and yet we're taking the principles of scripture. Now he. Humanistic, the kingdoms of this world are relying completely on reasoning, right? Right. We are saying, no, we use the tool of reason through the lens of Scripture guiding that, providing the framework. But it does call for us to reason through how is this applied to my life, and then th- if this is how it's applied, mm-hmm. then this is now how I live. Mm-hmm. And we all have ways that we live that Scripture necessarily doesn't specifically mandate, yeah. but we've reasoned it through from Scripture principles. Yeah. No, that's that's good. Uh, and then our third one is tradition, often seen as second in line, second in order. And I think the way that I that I've started to see this because. I was I was doing some studying and some reading and and it was interesting to see how how these were f- were flipped around and, and turned around and um, so so what I did is I just I just I'm like what is the definition of tradition being used in the context of the Wesleyan quadrilateral? Um, it's a collection of traditions consisting of practices or beliefs associated with Christianity. Um, these traditions have more or less authority based on the nature of the practices or beliefs and the group in question. Here's the deal. It supplies a link through the last 2,000 years of church history. It's saying, don't just... I mean, there's there's probably some validity to some of the, some of the traditions if it's been passed down from 2,000 years. Um, someone's probably questioned it at some time and, sure. and can continually affirms it. It doesn't mean tradition can't change and shouldn't change. Yeah. Um, but let's think about it before we just do it just to do it. What is the validity of, of the traditions that we have? Um, I think of some of the early uh, church councils, mm-hmm. the Nicene Creed, mm-hmm. um, and, and some of those type, types of things sure. that, um, no, I'm not going to stray away from that tradition because it's so rich in, um, in theology and in, in, in doctrine of, of what... Um, what our faith is about and what it is it encompasses in light of the triune nature of God, sure. um, born of the Virgin Mary, understanding these these different deity of, the deity uh, of, Christ, of Christ, right, right. And, and that affirming in Scripture. And so, again, the Nicene Creed isn't in the Bible, sure, but it is a tradition that was born out of 
affirming scripture, affirming scripture, wrestling with the heresies or the different ideas out there, mm-hmm. and then bringing it back in line with scripture, yes. making sure it fits in line, and we can stand on their shoulders, right? Yeah. And to me, this is the one that can be the most dangerous experience too. But you know, uh, so many people that I've observed, uh, their faith is resting on traditions. They don't have any idea why they do what they do, or they, or churches can get into a traditional mode, right? Mm-hmm. Where they just do things, um, even sometimes things that <clears throat> were ill conceived and not necessarily. Uh, helpful in a person's walk with Christ, they they actually sometimes circumvent a growing relationship, personal relationship. But absolutely, we rest on the traditions of the Orthodox faith. And it just helps us to not have to recreate the wheel. Mm-hmm. They already did that in the, in the councils. Mm-hmm. And I rest on their conclusion about Scripture, as I see Scripture also, right? right? It makes sense, and it provides such a firm foundation for us to understand the Scriptures. Because it brings clarity. I like that's that. right, that's right. Um, is it fair to say, though, I guess if I'm, if I'm, if I'm looking at it in a negative light, yeah. uh, or critiquing it, mm-hmm. maybe, um, two things. First, is it, is it fair to say maybe that when when people refer to the word religion in the negative connotations that that has, mm-hmm. that that religion had comes and is birthed in traditions that we just do them just to do them, and they're they're kind of I missing. Think, uh, I think I think they go. They're they're very yeah they're very close to one another. There's overlap, sure. And then um, you know number two, I think the response of um, Martin Luther in his Sola Scriptura was the idea that the Catholic Church um, equated tradition to Scripture, and they said that they're on the same playing field and, and, and of equal <laughs> Absolutely authority. Did. Absolutely they did. Yeah, and still do af- affirm that and believe in that. And that's a horrible misuse. Right. I mean, that's a, it's caused all sorts of practices that have circumvented personal faith in Jesus Christ, and a growing relationship in Jesus Christ. As the church uh, has added its own things, really, to be honest, to the benefit of the church. Yeah. Right? Not to the benefit of... Over the course of the last 2,000 years that you are correct in saying that. Yeah. Absolutely. They're looking out for themselves, not for people. The Scripture is looking out for... Uh, each one of us and our personal salvation and our growth in Christ and are drawing near to God mm-hmm. and experiencing everything He has. That's, I mean, probably the biggest exhibit A on how tradition gets in the way of Scripture. Because traditions can be retained steadfast, like we see with the Nicene Creed, mm-hmm. they can be modified. Hey, maybe this is, why are we doing this? Mm-hmm. Is it still relevant? Because it, I think relevancy is very important here. Because again, we're trying to meet a people of today. God was constantly doing a new thing um, in in the lives of, of the people that he interacts with and Christ interacts with um, 
in those people. And so, or abandon altogether. Mm-hmm. And so those three things, um, you know, feed into that. So, you know, I, again, back to, uh, to Sola Scriptura. Yeah. I want to um, move there next. Oh, okay. You know, the thing I think is beautiful about how Wesley saw things is scripture was primary, right? Um, and then out of that, these were just simple tools to make scripture work and be real. You know, it's the na- I think it's the natural tools that God has put into this world to say, hey, here's how people that have come before you have seen it, have wrestled, have come to a conclusion. It helps you to clarify Scripture, to define Scripture better. Here's the reason I've given to you how to apply scriptural principles in your context, in the new things that are coming in, mm-hmm. um, how do I wrestle with this issue in our world. And then at the end of the day, it's also that like that last thing that's like, is it working in your life? Is it happening? Mm-hmm. Is it real? That experience... Wesley was sola scriptural. Scripture is the driver of everything. Mm -hmm. But the cool lens through which he then helped to define and clarify and experience scripture are, or what this is about. I just think it's, I think it's beautiful, man. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a great concept. Um, it's like you said, it's, it's a, it's a really good way to, to live out life and just to, to see that lived out. One, one kind of last thought that I was thinking is, um, as we live this out, it's it's practical, right? That's what we've been talking about the whole time. And um, it's not just prescriptive what we ought to do, but it's descriptive and and how we actually Absolutely. do it, yeah. how we live it out. And I think our, our hope is that you are wrestling with this. You are interacting with mm-hmm. this. You have a framework for how you understand life. All of us do. And we're just suggesting to you that this beautiful framework of scripture driving, but then tradition, reason, and experience clarifying it is a wonderful way to understand how God wants you to live and experience his purpose for your life.